Romans chapter 1, and we'll commence at the first verse. <clears throat> the Word of God says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, that to the end ye may be established. And that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you, ignorant brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was led hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Amen. And may the Lord bless uh, the reading of his uh, precious word uh, this evening. We are not alone. We are not alone. I hope you viewed that statement in light of our scripture reading this evening and not in the context of extraterrestrial life. It is true of the church, but it is not true regarding our existence in the universe and the search and existence of life outside of earth. We are not alone. We hear that phrase constantly and uh, that many uh, say they do not believe we are alone. Uh, but when we come to the church of Christ, as I've said, that statement is true. And we see it here in our passage. We are not alone. And this is a concept, a principle that has been applied to Christian churches. There are many independent churches that can say this in the context of the bigger church. Uh, should they be independent? We don't see that warrant in the scriptures. But it is certainly true of denominations or Presbyterianism where we have an interconnectedness and we are interdependent upon one another. And that is a marvelous thing. We consider this in the Lord's day that we are a denomination that is connected by a common belief in Scripture as expressed in the Westminster Confession of Faith, a common desire to hold to reform doctrine, to preach the truth of God, to labor together. We say that if you go into other free Presbyterian churches, You'll see the same emphasis there. There may be a different people, a different building, 
a different minister, a different style. But it is the same doctrine and the same emphasis on the fundamental doctrines of the Word of God. And it's a wonderful thing that we, as a local church, do not have to stand alone, but we stand united together. We have that in the invisible church with believers uh, all across the world that we never fellowship with because we don't know they exist, but we know there are many believers out there. But we stand united together in the sense of the visible church under the banner of our denomination, the Free Presbyterian Church. And there's a great importance then of unity and love and that interaction one between another. And the, this unity and these links are also seen in the Word of God. If you turn to Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11 and the verse 22. Well, even before that, we see the church at Antioch in view. And the church at Antioch, there were those who were saved. The church was formed. And then we find in verse 22, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And so the mother church in Jerusalem heard about what was taking place in Antioch. Souls were being saved. What did they do? Did they merely say, God bless you as you labor for the Lord? No. It says, they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. They sent one of their number to go in to see what was happening to help and to preach the word of God. And it says, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. And we find then, verse 25, he left to find Saul of Tarshish and brought Saul. And they assembled themselves together. They taught much people. And they were first called Christians there in Antioch. And so we see Antioch, souls being saved. And what happens? The bigger church and the mother church come alongside. They send Barnabas who sees a need then for Saul to come. And they labor together. Two men outside that church in Antioch who came into the work and served the Lord. We move on in the history of this church to Acts 13. And we find there uh, that Barnabas and Saul were separated. Verse 2. For the work one to I have called them, said the Holy Ghost. There was a work for these men to do. And what was that work? was to go and to reach out. And when we come to Acts chapter 13, we find that churches were formed, churches were planted. Acts 14, the verse 21, we find Barnabas and Saul had went round these churches, or the apostle Paul, as he was known now, they'd went in the ancient world, preached, churches were established, souls were saved. And did they just, well, that's a good thing. No, they cared for these churches. And verse 21 says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And so they went back to places where churches were formed. 
taking care of the flock, checking how things were. There was this unity and this interconnectedness. In Acts chapter 15, uh, we find the verse 36. And after some days, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. There was a cur. They didn't just set up the church and forget about them. There was a cur and there was this connectedness in the Lord and through the church. We also find in Acts 15, there was a decision made by the council or the presbytery and that decree was read to the churches and there was blessing. And again, we see this interdependence, this interconnectedness in the Acts of the Apostles. And that is what is to be found within the church, this connectedness. Now, we're not talking about an ecumenical connectedness. We're not talking about fellowshipping with churches that have crossed the line and have went into apostasy, but churches that are like-minded. And in our context tonight, our sister congregations across this continent. And in Romans chapter 1, we see this again. There is a love by the apostle. There is a desire for these brethren, and there is a thankfulness for them. When we think of our brethren, you may never visit some of these churches. I visited one of our congregations in the United States last week. That's the only one so far. I visited Calgary Church hundreds of times. I visited here a few times. And I've been to Prince George. I've been to Williams Lake. That's it. Toronto. That's it. There are other churches here I've never been to. But I know there, there are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we love them. And they love us. And they pray for us. And you may never visit some of these churches. There's churches in Australia that we have. And in England and Wales and Scotland and Ireland and Northern Ireland. Sister churches. You may never visit those. But there's still this bond between us. They pray for us. We're to pray for them. And that is the blessing of Presbyterianism. We come together as the Lord's servants at Presbytery to do business, but to support each other and to pray for each other in the work of God. And so from Romans 1 this evening, I want us to consider the very first words we said tonight. We are not alone. We are not alone. And firstly, we are connected by election. We are connected by election. We see that. Here in verse 6, and this is quite the controversial term in Christianity, election. We're not talking about Trudeau. We're not talking about Biden or Trump or all that goes on south of the border. But the divine election of sinners, God calling sinners unto everlasting life. We see it set forth in the doctrines of grace, unconditional love, unlimited atonement, the undeserved election or choosing by God of some unto eternal life. Uh, we see that Christ has a people. Matthew chapter 1, he shall save his people, his specific people, from their sins. And Paul also denotes this in Romans 8. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. There are other verses we could uh, turn to this evening. But in our reading, we have in verse 6, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, 
to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. You see, the election of sinners. It's not our intention tonight to get sidetracked into a theological exposition of the doctrine of election. And we're speaking on the premise it's a biblical doctrine and a doctrine that our churches believe. And it's not up for exposition or discussion this evening. And we will and we must consider it in the future at least because of our somewhat slow journey through the shorter catechism. But tonight, it is enough to say it is a blessed doctrine. God redeeming and saving the sinner through no murder of his own. And God doing that in this world, among all nations, verse 5, and in verse 7, for his church. And the invisible church is spread throughout the world. It's spread throughout time. And we are all connected together because we were chosen before the world began. And that's a great thing, this connectedness. Because of Christ and through Christ, we are connected together. And you and I are connected together, not merely because we live in the same area, we come to the same church, but we're connected because God has called us and God has saved us and God has redeemed us. That is the first connection that we have. And the greatest connection that we have, that we are brothers and sisters in the Lord whom Christ has saved. And there are other connections that we know we live here and we come to the same church together, but we're called through Christ. And that's a great thing. I visit lots of places. I rejoice in brothers and sisters in the Lord. We also believe strongly in separation. So as I've said, we're not saying we should be fellowshipping with everyone who says I'm a Christian. But in the context of our denomination, we have many who have been called and elected and saved like you and I. And therefore, we're not alone. We're not alone in the invisible church because there are other believers. We're not alone in the visible church because of other believers. And Paul here is rejoicing that at the heart of the empire in Rome, there were believers that God had called out of this world unto Christ. How encouraging that is that we're connected by election. We're connected because of Christ. We're to give thanks to God for that. We're to thank God that we're connected. And when we look at our other congregations, we're connected with them because of Christ. And we're to pray for that. We're to pray that God will save his people. He will redeem souls. That as we rejoice in being connected to others because of this so great redemption, that there will be others who experience that. And we will rejoice in being connected to them. But secondly, we are connected by faith. We are connected by faith. Verse 8 says, First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. These words are wonderful. A faith spoken of throughout the whole world. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 11 and the verse 33. Luke 11, verse 33. And here the Savior says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. If he went to your home after the meeting tonight, 
to have tea, coffee, fellowship, and you went in and you took your light, that light that is to help me find a seat, that light that is to help you make the coffee or the tea, that light that is to help us see each other as we communicate and talk and interact. And you took that light and you took a box and you put that box over that light and hid that light. What's going on? Something very, very strange. We need that light. And the Savior here is talking about this light. It's not to be hid. The light of our faith is not to be set aside. We're not to take it away so that people can see it. But it is to be set up as a light for all to see. Set up as a light for all to see. It is a faith that is to be known. Here in Romans chapter 1, this church in Rome, their faith was known throughout the whole world. And Paul rejoiced in that. That their faith was real, it was genuine, they loved the Savior. And they had this saving faith. Oh, that we would desire to be connected to those who have a real faith in Christ. It was a gospel-centered faith. A faith through the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a living faith. They desired to live for Christ. And as they lived for Christ, it became known then in the world that they had a faith for Christ. A desire to live for him. Oh, that we would be spoken of because of saving faith and living faith. But also testifying faith. Testifying faith. This faith was spoken of throughout the whole world. It was a faith that testified of Christ. A faith that testified of Christ. Oh, that we would be a church. And our sister congregations would be churches where their faith is on display as a witness for Christ. Testifying of the Savior. We're to be witnesses. And we're to support each other in the local church in that. We're to support our sister congregations, and we do that through the presbytery as well, supporting each other in being witnesses. We have a mission work, a mission board that is under the oversight of our presbytery. It's a work that should be dear to every congregation that we have because it is, is our work. And we support each other. We support men who have gone out to serve the Lord. We support churches that have been planted. We support witnessing. Our mission board had a team of young people that went to our brother, Reverend John Kelly, back in July in Maine to witness and to spread the gospel of Christ. We're part of that. It might be an American thing across the border, but it's part of our denomination, going and supporting a man and a work that has just started and praying. And as some did, going and helping. We're to be witnesses. And here there was a saving faith, a living faith, a testifying faith. And then we see thirdly that we are connected by prayer. We are connected by prayer. We may never go to see our sister congregations. We may not know anyone personally in these congregations, but we can pray for them. And Paul here, what does he do? He prays. Verse 9, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Paul is saying, I'm faithful in the place of prayer. I'm connected to you. You're part of Christ's church. I'm writing to you. I love you. I have this bond and this desire to be with you. And I'm praying without ceasing. I'm praying consistently for you. 
And what does he pray? Verse 7, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's bringing greetings. that They would know grace and peace. He's praying for this witness. He's praying for this church. And we're to pray for our ministers. We're to pray for our presbytery. We're to pray for our sister congregations. For the blessing of God. When I went, I maybe said this some time ago. When I went to the week of prayer in Toronto. I had individuals coming to me. I preached on the Sunday morning. I was there during the week. And talking to different people from the church. And some of these people I had no idea who they were. I didn't meet them until this week. Or that week. They knew who I was. And uh, they came and they said that they'd been praying for me. Not because they just met me, but they had been praying before and praying for this congregation and praying for the Lord's blessing as we came together to serve the Lord together. And that is one of the great blessings of being connected and being Presbyterian. We pray for each other. We may not know who's praying for us, but we know that there are sister congregations praying for us. We're connected by prayer. I may... And this is perhaps one of the great practical aspects of that. Yes, we're connected because we financially support the work of God. We support it in other places. We support it through the presbytery. We could say that as well. But this is something we can all do. Something that doesn't depend on finance. Something we can do every morning, every prayer time. We can pray. And we can pray for sister congregations and our ministers. Let us do that. We are not alone. We are not alone. They are not alone. We are not alone. And so let us have that burden. That burden to pray for them. That burden to support them. And let us rejoice. That we are not alone. And we can look at other churches. We can look at believers there. Ministers there. And have that blessing. Because of those links and that tie that is there between us. May the Lord bless his word tonight for his name's sake. Amen.